listen. And by listen, I mean put it on as background noise so your anxious dog still thinks there's people in the house. And now here are the only hosts in podcasting who have never said the words Zip Recruiter out loud, Alison Goldberg and Jennifer Jamula. everybody. I'm Jen. I'm Allie. Welcome to Two Girls, One Podcast. Allie and I are performers. We had a show called Bloglogs. It was a live comedy show where we used the internet as our script and performed things like blog posts on stage, thinking about who are the people behind the posts. Then we had a web series called Two Girls, One Show, where we got to meet the people behind the post and go on scripted adventures. And here we are with Two Girls, One Podcast with The Daily Dot and our producer, Matt Silverman. Hi, Matt. Hello. Hello. And with this show, we are meeting people in different internet communities or who are behind phenomena that we think are really cool. And uh, there's, I would say, a plethora of cool things going on in the internet right now um, in the time when none of us can leave our houses. So, I don't know. There's just so much going on in that our own an lives upper in the world. and a downer at the same time. <laughs> Here we are. Life is falling apart. Welcome to 2020. <laughs> well, before we get into the show topic, Ali, uh, we were just chatting about this before the show started. You were in the midst of a move. You make it sound so much cooler than it is. It's a shit yeah. show. I'm too type A for this bullshit. Where are my things? It was hard to get dressed this morning. Oh, also, <laughs> this morning... So I put on a dress and this morning my roommate was like, are you one of those people who gets dressed in quarantine? And I was like, little does he know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where are your onesies? I, I, yeah, I, can't, I, don't, I just don't have access to my onesies right now. Usually oh. my quarantine ordeal, as you guys know, is I choose a onesie for the week. Really what I'm doing is I'm basically channeling Steve Jobs. Um, I just find that it's more efficient to wear the same thing every day. That's what this is actually about. And uh, for those listening, uh, check out the 2G One Piece shop for the I don't have access to my onesies right now t-shirt on sale now in 1995. <laughs> I wish you weren't kidding. And I, I want us to make weird shirts, but uh, more on that later, because I think there's a very easy way to do it. Like, I, I, th- oh, I yeah. think the answer is Zazzle, guys. Let's go. Let's, let's yeah, get let's to it. Zazzle it up. Yep. I thought maybe you were putting on a dress and we can edit this out if you don't want me to say it. Because you have a very cute roommate, don't you? <laughs> oh, that's really true. It's obscene. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. It's like, is this illegal? What's happening? This is not. Yeah. Well, that's uh, well, all back I can up say. Here, I thought you were sticking with the old roommate and moving with her because she's all, you guys are great together and she's a great cook and all that. No? Yeah. So my old roommate is moving in with her boyfriend, and they invited me to come with them and live out our three's company dreams. Yes. <laughs> so the boyfriend is cute, but obviously spoken for no 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 that's someone else that's someone else so oh. i moved in and how many instead, fucking roommates are you, are you having here <laughs> 17 at least transient yeah, i'm, a, goes from I'm one a mole person i live in the subway system it's really great for the acoustics on the podcast oh, no yes. my friend molly had a room and molly i want to say she's sort of like me but her hair is red that's the only difference so we get it. um <laughs> and i guess this makes me really narcissistic that i wanted to move in with molly but basically molly's the shit like molly and i somehow without even speaking about it came up with a handshake which is that when we see each other we dance for five minutes straight (laughs) wow that's a soulmate is she single and then and then (laughs) she is boys she is someone lock it down um and then she already has a roommate connor it's a three bedroom Uh uh-huh 
Okay. Yeah. So me and, and this strange man are hanging out now. So you, when you first went to the apartment, didn't you say you like saw the sunlight bouncing off of Connor's abs in the driveway and you were like, who's, who's that man? And it turns out it's your roommate. That's exactly what happened. And I'm glad Jen knows that story so that she can tell it. One quick question. Sorry. Why is he naked in the driveway? Listen, I, why would you complain about a good thing, Matt? <laughs> oh, it's not a complaint, just a question. Listen, yeah. I'm not going to ask questions. I'm just going to accept what is. <laughs> just going to accept my good fortune and move on. <laughs> yeah. Is is Connor's daily outfit like not wearing a shirt? I told him it better be. <laughs> I mean, this is a rom-com. No, Much more three's company I mean, that, than the other no, situation. That's actually, that's actually not going to happen because... I don't want to blow up my life, but yeah. <laughs> so speaking of like hot roommates, that's make me think about dating. And you know, like the last time we covered kind of today's topic, it was in with regards to dating. What's that? I don't even know Ani- anymore. Animal Crossing. So you might, you all might not know, but Animal Crossing is a pretty amazing place for dating. Uh, and we just had an episode on that. Just it's a few back. Take a look. Uh, but right now we're hearing that there's actually a talk show in the game. It's called Animal Talking. And what's amazing about this, uh, because of many things, but it's featured Elijah Wood, Shaggy, Sting, T-Pain, just to name a few people. It's um, fucking crazy. But it, what if animals were talking? That'd be an even better show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's called Dr. Doolittle, and uh, it was not, not a good film. Yeah, that's <laughs> okay, more on that later. This talk show has live musical performances, stand-up comedy interviews, uh, and there's a, a large audience interaction component, which we'll find out a little bit more about, like polls. They get to ask questions of celebrities, things like that. They've been on the front page of Twitch three times. It's <laughs> mm. crazy. Yeah. So today we're talking with the creator host, Gary Witta. I believe you say his last name that way. Getting inside of what this talk show is all about. I think it's pronounced Hwita. Hwita, yeah, actually. Yeah, that sounds why. Right. Thanks for I've that heard. contribution, Matt. You're welcome. <laughs> all right. Well, a lot cool. of people are familiar with the show, but if you're listening now and you've never heard it or seen Animal Talking, uh, maybe a little context might help. I, ha- I have a few clips uh, queued up here. Uh, as you guys know, and maybe some listeners know, like uh, Elijah Wood made a bunch of headlines uh, when he was, a you know, he played the game and then he needed to sell his turnips, which are like commodities in the game. <laughs> and he just DM'd someone, like someone on Twitter was like, hey, my turnip prices are pretty high. Come to my island. And he DM'd a random woman and was like may i please come to your island and she's like holy fucking shit you're elijah wood yes you may come to my island and uh it was a big deal and it was a a very wholesome story so uh gary had elijah on the show here's what happened uh take a listen we call it a turkeyless protein patty these are great i'm gonna i'm gonna serve these with a brand new salad kit that we have which is a lemony arugula basil salad kit it's bright I love arugula. I just, I just, bright. it's amazing that all of that happened inside of Animal Crossing. I can't believe yeah, it. Really? Yeah, yeah. Is it surprising that there's no turkey in a protein? Like, should I expect turkey in my protein-packed <laughs> patties or shakes? Or I don't know. Anyway, that was weird. Trader Joe's <laughs> is weird, but we still love you. Yeah. No, it's not weird. It's the best. It's the best. How could you say that? <laughs> All right. Here's the actual clip. Uh, that is not from the Trader Joe's podcast. Uh, this is Elijah Wood uh, and a little bit of background on uh, Animal Talking with Gary Widow. Live from the sun-kissed island of Kauai, it's mm. Animal Talking. And now, because he doesn't have anything better to do, here's your host, 
Scary Winner! Welcome to Animal Talking, the world's first fully virtual interactive celebrity talk show that is entirely staged, produced, and broadcast from inside a video game. We have the biggest celebrity interviews. Elijah Wood visited a stranger on Animal Crossing to sell turnips. I just wanted to sell my turnips. We found mm-hmm. Jessica and she's here right now. No. Please welcome to the show, Jessica, Elijah's turnip dealer. Oh, that is so cool. It's very nice to meet you. It's nice to meet you as well. And I just like happened to post it with DM me for my dodo code. And almost immediately I got this like, influx of people DMing me. Yeah, and I, I went to my request DMs and amongst it was a verified user and it was Elijah Wood. <laughs> Of course, all my friends were there, too. So when he showed up, we were all just crowding him at the airport. <laughs> I felt so bad because I was like, he probably just expected to come sell his turnips. And we're all like social distancing meet and greet king. <laughs> <laughs> you guys were all so sweet, though. It was really amazing. I just I felt it, bad. They kept like hitting you with their nets. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> it's true. It's too much of detail. I love that. So cute. Uh, and then, like, truly the biggest get uh, you could imagine, uh, Sting has been on Animal Talking. And here's Gary and Sting quibbling over some music trivia. And Sting ends up totally uh, poning Gary. Take a listen. I've done Letterman. I've done Leno. Uh, Gary Shandler. I've done everybody. So this is this is the first for me. You've done everybody. I believe it. I've done everybody. <laughs> I believe it. And now you've done me. You're doing me as we speak. <laughs> Songs are you know, living, organic things. You have to breathe new life of them. They're not, they're not museum pieces or artifacts. You know, they're living, organic things. Are, are they like old friends or do you ever get sick of them? I know there was a famous story about how Frank Sinatra, by the end of his career, hated my way because he had to do it every single time he performed on stage. You- no, they're, I mean, they're, they're my babies. And uh, as I say, I keep them fresh by looking for new things in them. I mean, Frank Sinatra didn't write my way. And I'm not surprised he got sick of it. That was Neil, oh, uh, yeah. Neil, Neil, Neil Sedaka, if I recall. Uh, um, nope. No, you're wrong. Am I? No, don't, don't, don't challenge Paul, me on this thing. I know my music. Hold on. Paul Anker I'm Googling it. it. I'm Googling it as we Paul speak. Paul Anker wrote it, and it was an old French song. Paul Anker. Called, uh, Paul Anker. Paul Anker. You're song. right. All right. Okay. You've, you've, you've bested me this time, Sting. Thank you. I love that. <laughs> I love that. I'm going to save a clip of that forever. Oh, whatever. it's so great oh i would be so freaking nervous to interview sting but if we were in that atmosphere it might be okay (laughs) i was just like (laughs) he's so intimidating but they're just like shooting the breeze like they're old friends i i just love it i love that this is fucking happening it's the magic of the internet it really is it really is matt you've been on a little bit of a hiatus how's it going Oh, yeah. How was your vacay? It was nice. Uh, You know, stuck at home with the kids. So just, you know, like normal life, just listening to screaming, but then also not going back to work after the screaming, just going, (laughs) listening to more screaming. Just crying That's that's been my vacation. (laughs) That's cool. That's cool. That sounds great. Wait, you you didn't go anywhere? I thought you were going to get out of town. Go anywhere? Where Where are we going? I don't know a, t- a tent in the woods, uh, <laughs> an Airbnb no. in New Hampshire, perhaps. You couldn't. You couldn't. Yeah. Pay me. At least you can just focus on one thing, and you don't need to divide the attention. Maybe yeah, that's just which there is there's something to be said. Uh, here, here's here's one for you. M- my daughter sort of co-wrote and or stole a joke. Unclear if she wrote this herself, but basically collaboratively at the lunch table, we we figured out this joke. What do you call it when you uh, rent a house from a ghost? Mm, this is a good one. What do you recall when you're in the house? Okay, uh, just cut out the dead air because I'm going to think about this. Mm-hmm. 
you know, rent a house from a ghost. So it's not the word boo. It's like uh, a scare. Uh, mm. Wait, it's yeah, either going to be really clever it. or it's going to be no, something Jen's that makes no fucking sense. <laughs> <laughs> Jen, uh, keep, keep going with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, fright. Uh, we we just said it. it it's a scare BNB. Oh, oh, that's pretty good. That's ah, pretty good. Pretty good, right? She had some help, and she might have ripped it off from a tip from a TV show. I don't I don't know. I gotta I gotta dig know. in, but I thought it was pretty good. But yeah. I think you could talk to Gary. Maybe she could go on Animal Crossing. You know. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we should get to the trivia. <laughs> yeah, we gotta get get some trivia done here. Uh, today's episode is about the wonderful, beautiful world of Animal Crossing, a game made by Nintendo, which is lovely to look at, and lovely to listen to, and lovely to play, of course, but. What do Nintendo Switch game cartridges taste like? What? If you were to put a Nintendo Switch game cartridge in your mouth, mm-hmm. what would it taste mm-hmm. like? I have mm-hmm. some choices for you. Here we go. Okay. A, they taste slightly sweet because Nintendo adds a subtle flower fragrance to make opening a new game smell slightly comforting. That's like part of the product, part of the experience. That's choice A. Okay. Choice B, they taste like buttered popcorn a strange and unintended byproduct from printing the cartridge labels. Perhaps there's a chemical in there that that is reminiscent of buttered popcorn. C, they taste horrible because they are coated in a chemical that deters kids from chewing on them. And I have one more choice, choice D, they taste just like plastic. And this is a trick question. Huh. Well, I was not expecting any of this uh i'm I'm gonna go with a i kind of i could see it being sort of like what did you say sweet sweet okay like floral Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. you heard it here kids eat your toys (laughs) lick those lick those walls you know what listen when there's a d around gotta get that d (laughs) all right she's going for the d we will find out what a nintendo switch cartridge tastes like after this break thank god Is your name Chris Harrison? Or is it Jerry Duran? Or could it be Jessica Fox? Melissa Elliott? Are you known as James Dozier? Christopher Latch. Have you ever gone by Kathy Phillips? Or are you just William? If you go by any of the above names, we would like to call to your attention that you are awesome. You are a sexy motherfucker. You taste as good as a Nintendo cartridge. Definitely. You've also contributed at the $10 level or more to yeah, our Patreon. That's too. That's too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah, we're yeah, a little yeah. biased because of that. But mostly you taste like Nintendo cartridges. I just wanted to second that <laughs> observation. Thank you all so much. As you know, your continuing support means the world to us. For the rest of you, if you're going to look out for our Patreon, it's patreon.com slash 2G1P. Thank you again. If you donate $10 level or more, you too shall get called out on the air. And now a real post entitled, Hoopst Ever Smokes Weed on Yam Hill and St. Clair. From the number one website for neighborhood vigilante justice, Next Door, courtesy of Best of Next Door. Knock it off, skunk butt. I've considered rubbing durian on the floor to smell anything but. Me and my cat are going through early stage menopause because of it. You just lit one up at like 
3.39 p.m. and I'm about to go apeshit! Hugs and kisses. She sounds fun. She does. Let's let's give whomstever its moment. That word is awesome. <laughs> uh, All right, let's get this trivia done here. We got a big interview coming up. What does a Nintendo Switch cartridge taste like? And I feel bad because I know you both don't own a Nintendo Switch, so like you can't even like rub it go in and experience and the flavor. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah, I, I could have yeah. cheated. Yeah. Uh, your choices were A, slightly sweet, because they're sort of perfumed in the packaging. B, they taste like buttered popcorn, because there's a chemical in the label. C, Nintendo doesn't want kids chewing on them, so they coat them in a disgusting chemical. Or D, they just taste like a regular piece of plastic, and this is totally a trick. Uh, Allie went with D. She went with the D as, as, as usual. Mm-hmm. Jen went with A, the floral sweetness. Correct. The correct answer is C. Nintendo Switch cartridges are pretty small. Uh, if you play, you you might be aware of that. Uh, if you buy your cartridges physically, and uh, Nintendo was just a little worried that little kids might put them in their mouths. I mean, they're not a choking hazard, but uh, they thought kids would would gnaw on them, and so they brush them with something that tastes horrible. Uh, and this was discovered uh, on a, a show that I am a big fan of. It's called Giant Bomb. Uh, one of the hosts was like, hey, let's just check this out. Uh, put, you know, lick the cartridge and said, oh, my God, it's terrible. And they they learned uh, that this was a process in so the this manufacturing guy of decided cartridges. decided to lick his Nintendo cartridge. I think there was some information about Nintendo doing this. So they decided to test it on air. And lo and behold, it was horrible. And then, of course... It became a meme. Lots of other people uh, started licking their cartridges to just confirm that whether this was bullshit or not. And, and lo and behold, uh, it is a process. I'm curious, in the time it took us to answer this trivia, how many listeners licked their cartridges? I mean... <laughs> I'm curious how many licks it takes to get to the center of a Nintendo cartridge. <laughs> now you're asking the right questions. Thank you very much. <laughs> Well, everyone, speaking of asking the right questions, it's time for our interview. (laughs) Boom. Boom. We are so thrilled to have with us today Gary Witta, screenwriter, gaming journalist, and host of Animal Talking, a talk show inside of Animal Crossing New Horizons. Gary Witta. Welcome, Gary. Hello. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Uh, congratulations on this talk show completely blowing up. We have heard a bit that you maybe didn't mean for it to blow up, that it you know, it was a hobby, started as a hobby that got kind of out of control. So we were hoping for you to tell us the story of what happened. Like, how did this get started? And how did it all align so perfectly with a time when we're all sitting at home? Or was that just luck? <laughs> you know, a little bit of luck, a little bit of... Uh, I mean, it, it really wasn't that in- intentional at all. I mean, I, I do think the quarantine has played in into part of the reason why it's been successful. And it was part of the reason why I created it. I was just bored, basically, <laughs> uh, as, as we all are kind of stuck at home. The uh, unofficial uh, production company that is credited at the end of the show in the end credits every week is Lockdown Board and Productions, uh, <laughs> which you know encapsulates a lot of um, what is going on right now. You know, a lot of people have said that uh, you know creative people, uh, artists and writers and musicians and people that are kind of in my uh, line of work, uh, some people have said that they feel like the quarantine has kind of stifled their creativity. Others, I think, have really flourished. I had been playing around with streaming as a hobby 
uh, for about a year. I would do just kind of, you know, just chatting streams and play video games and basically do what everyone else does on Twitch. I was trying to find like an identity for my Twitch channel, uh, particularly during lockdown. You know, I, I don't go out at the best of times anyway. I'm very <laughs> introverted. The, the lock, I've been largely immune to kind of the social effects of the lockdown because, you know, I sat behind a desk at home in my sweatpants before this. <laughs> I sit behind a desk in my sweatpants during this, and I will continue to sit behind a desk in my sweatpants long after this. So it didn't really affect me that much in terms of like going out of the house. I don't like to leave the house anyway. I, I use social media and Twitch streaming as a way to get the kind of the social interaction that all human beings require. And streaming was something that I kind of dove, dove into more during quarantine because I felt like I needed a little bit more, you know, human contact in any shape or form that I could get it. For about a year, I kind of fumbled around with my Twitch channel trying to figure out something to do with it. And when Animal Crossing came out, I mean, that first of all alone has been a tremendous boon to so many of us uh, during the pandemic and during these kind of dystopian times. The world sucks right now, right? It's just awful. And we all need a distraction from it. And the idea of being able to uh, retreats to a beautiful, bucolic, uh, idyllic, tropical cartoon island paradise where the worst thing that can ever happen to you is you get stung by a wasp. I understand why that's very appealing to a lot of people. Not a murder hornet, though. No, no. And even when you get stung, like you just instantly apply the medicine and like, you know, the, even the worst problem in Animal Crossing can be solved very easily and instantly. So I, I appreciate it. If we think about video games as an escape, Animal Crossing, I think, has been the ultimate escape at just the right time. I mean, I get talk about the right game at the right time. I think mm -hmm. Animal Crossing would have been successful at any time, but it, like doubly so when we need it as badly as we do right now. So Animal Crossing was already a cultural phenomenon and very much in the zeitgeist long before people like me came along and started to do kind of quirky things with it. As I dove into Animal Crossing, that kind of became the identity of my Twitch channel. And I started a show called Animal Crossing Mornings with Gary, where I just played the game every morning. And it kind of became a way for me to start my day out in a good mood. Uh, just kind of set me off on the right foot. I would wake up in the morning excited to play, and it really kind of helped me therapeutically. And then the talk show, really, I was just goofing around one weekend during one of these morning shows. And I had built a kind of rumpus room man cave, whatever you want to call it, down in the basement of my house. I had video arcades, games in it, and foosball tables, and train sets, and pinball machines, and you know, basically kind of built the, the basement that I wish I had when I was a kid. I'd still, frankly, <laughs> wish I had as an adult. Uh, but having built it, I was like, okay, I've done that now. Like, You can't really play the games. Like, What's the next thing? So I cleared it all out, and I did this all on stream as people were watching. I was like, okay, what's the next thing? Like, What can I do with this basement room down here? And I had a desk and a couch, and I kind of love the cultural American phenomenon. And it is, I think, kind of a uniquely American phenomenon of the late night talk show, particularly in that very specific format, you know, a couch, a desk, a band, you know, a monologue. Every, 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 everyone instantly knows that format, right? Because we, mm -hmm. you know, it's been around since 1954 when Steve Allen first created The Tonight Show, and it's still with us today. Mm -hmm. And I started goofing around with it. Like, could I, and it wasn't even to like, let's make a talk show. It was just, could I recreate the set? Like that was the challenge with, with what Animal Crossing had in its in-game inventory of items. And it turns out you don't really need that much. We had a desk, a couch. We put together a little band area. My wife found this amazing wallpaper that she got from Sahara, the mysterious wallpaper vendor that looked like a night, like a, like a, uh, a nighttime city skyline. And again, all of the, 
talk shows kind of conform to this same format desk couch there's usually some greenery in the background and then like a fake shot of like you know la or new york skyline at night and as soon as the the wallpaper went up i was like this is going to work because it just instantly popped and everyone in the audience was like oh my god it really looks like a talk show (laughs) and then people started saying you should do it you should do it and I, i was like yeah let's let's play around and i called up my friend Naomi Kyle, who's an actress and an internet host, she used to kind of host a bunch of shows for IGN with good friends. And I said, hey, do you want to like play dress up and like pretend to do a talk show? (laughs) And so she got a dress out of her wardrobe and I put on a suit from my wardrobe and she came over and we just kind of like pretended to do a talk show. Hey, Naomi, tell me about your new project. I understand you brought a clip. Here's your new book. Like we were just kind of, you know, instantly Mm -hmm. falling into the well-known patterns of what every talk show, you know, cheesy interview and guest celebrity spot is like. And it was just really fun and really familiar and we enjoyed doing it. But we really were just playing like dollhouses, you know, but in the, in the concept of a talk show. But people liked it so much. I put that episode of the show up on YouTube and there was just such a tremendous response to do more. And I enjoyed doing it so much that we did another one and another one. And it wasn't initially about getting big celebrity guests or anything like that. Like the second show was literally just my wife and her friend. Like it was just me playing around with my friends. But then as the show started to get more media attention and people started to kind of latch onto the concept of, oh, here's like a cool thing that someone's doing, um, I started to get more ambitious with it and frankly got a little bit carried away. And the next thing you know, we've got bigger and bigger guests and we're in Entertainment Weekly and Variety and The Hollywood Reporter and The Verge is calling us 2020's hottest late night talk show. <laughs> and within and now within a couple of months, it's, 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 it's kind of, as you said, like I've created a monster <laughs> that I can no longer control. This isn't my job. And I frankly don't have time to do this as a full-time job, even though it has a lot of the requirements of a full-time job. Putting on the show requires a lot of prep and a lot of effort. There's a lot of technical headaches, but it's also a lot of fun figuring out how to kind of MacGyver, you know, and duct tape together solutions to putting on a talk show inside uh, a platform that frankly wasn't made to do this. It's not meant to be a talk show studio. It's meant to be a video game. We just kind of shoehorned a talk show into it and found fun ways to kind of use the camera and use the items and use, you know, the, the, again, the limitations of the game to kind of make, make the best talk show that we could within those parameters. So this is a true story of if you build it, they will come. Yeah, to some extent. I mean, you know, Twitch has been very kind to us. They've put us on the front page uh, a few times. And when we've had that magic combination of being on the front page and having, you know, big guests like Elijah Wood and Danny Trejo and like actual Hollywood stars that have come onto the show, um, you know, we were getting like 17, 18,000 people watching us at once. And I think on that episode, we had like 350,000 people watched us total. Mm-hmm. And we put the episodes on YouTube and they've been popular as well and yeah it's it's you know it it has kind of blown up but again that was never really the the intention it was really just intended as a way to um give me an excuse to kind of hang out with my friends and goof around and even though even though it's turned into a bigger thing now with bigger celebrities and more media attention it's it's still that at its core like the only the only way to get on the show is just to be someone that i want to hang out with and that (laughs) you know could if you're someone super famous that might be a way to, to to check that box, or you might you might just be a friend of mine that I like. So, do you have time for screenwriting and journalism? Like, how do you fit everything else in? <laughs> I did, and like I said, that was the problem. You know, like yeah. as, as I've said many times, this isn't my job. It's just the thing that has prevented me 
from doing my job for a while. I frankly got carried away with the show in the first month when it really blew up and we were getting all this press coverage and I've suddenly got like major record labels and celebrity publicists calling me. I did get a bit carried away <laughs> with it and we were doing three shows a week for the first month and wow. it took up literally all of my time. And as soon as one show was done, the clock kind of instantly reset to the countdown for like, oh, now we have to do a whole bunch of prep for the next set of guests and we have to kind of reset the show and like we don't do it i mean, I mean it, it may look this way because it's deeply unprofessional the way the show looks like it's a train wreck every week but like <laughs> we do put a lot of thought and effort into yeah. the show we we pre-interview every guest they come to the set we do sound checks there are all kinds of technical hassles we record specific intros and music cues and there's a lot of kind of behind the scenes stuff that goes on and i don't have a staff or a budget i do that all of all myself um, and so when we were doing three shows a week, it was completely unmanageable. And it frankly did put me behind on some of the actual real projects that I have to do. Um, and so now that we're going into season two, we've kind of recalibrated that a little bit in an attempt to kind of reclaim my, my sanity and my personal life and my real job. We just do one show a week now. And that still takes up a lot of time, but it's more manageable. So when you say we, who's this little team you've got? I read you have a stage manager. Yeah, so there's a very small team of uh, volunteers that help me put on the show. When I, when I say I do all of it, that's not strictly true. I do a lot. I do way more than any other talk show host does for themselves. Like I'm managing. <laughs> I'm Shots right. fired. Shots fired. No, but I know what you mean, right? You don't have a writing to staff. Like, it's, you know, it's like just you putting everything together. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a writer by trade. So, I, you know, yeah. I, I, that's not something I would want to rely on anyway. But like, it, it, I'm thinking more like the technical stuff. Like when Conan O'Brien says, oh, let's go to the clip of the movie you brought. Like someone in a booth is doing that <laughs> where I, I have to do that all myself. I'm playing music cues. I'm uh, running, you know, the Streamlabs software that makes sure that, you know, the, that the camera is looking at the right thing and if music's at the right volume. And I do a lot of that myself, but there's no way I could do the show entirely by myself. And they, there's a small team of volunteers and friends around me who make it possible. One is um, a guy by the name of Adam Nickerson, who's a video game developer who um, I asked to help out on the project. And Adam's actually my uh, on-air sidekick uh, stroke band leader. He's like my, you know, Ed McMahon, Andy Richter, Paul Schaefer, you know, take your pick. He's kind of the butt of my jokes. But Adam also uh, does a lot of the technical troubleshooting behind the scenes. Uh, we are man making sure that the stream is in good shape, that our audio levels are good, that the video looks the way we want it to. He also edits together all of, you know, when the show is done, we put highlights and things like that up on YouTube. He edits all of those packages together and really does like a lot of the technical heavy lifting that I don't mm -hmm. have the time or the know-how to do. Um, my wife, Leah Witter, who's the executive producer on the show, does like all kinds of stuff. She moderates the chat. Uh, you know, she helps kind of curate the editorial content of the show. We talk about, you know, what kind of guests we want to have on the show. And her main job now has become this thing that we call Avatar Puppeteer. And what mm -hmm. happened was we came up with uh, a way to bring people onto the show who don't have Animal Crossing, but either want to come on the show mm. or we would love to have them on the show. When we first started out, like when Naomi and my wife and the early guests were coming on, they all brought their own characters through, you know, Nintendo Online. You can fly your character to the island and they're literally driving, you know, their little character on screen and making them spin around or whatever <laughs> as they're talking to me over the Discord voice connection that we use. But when we want to have, we, so we wanted to have our first musical guest on the show. And there's a very talented musician on Twitch by the name of uh, Raquel Lilly, a singer-songwriter. And I've been a fan of hers for ages, and I would want, really wanted to have her come on the show. And she said, I'd love to do it, but I don't play Animal Crossing. 
And so what we did was we came up with a way to kind of get around that where Leah now basically takes her character. Uh, she did this for Raquel and she now she's done this with lots of others. She did it with Sting. She's done it with other celebrities where if we want to get someone on the show, but they don't have their own Animal Crossing character, Leah will take her own character and give it kind of digital cosmetic surgery to make it look <laughs> like whoever we want. And so she, we, we gave a photo reference of Raquel and she came up, she made her avatar look just like, you know, the Animal Crossing version of Raquel. We dressed her up. Um, Raquel and August, they always have like approval over their avatars. Like we sent a wardrobe and she said, oh, can you, can you, can you make my hair a bit more purple or put me in like sneakers instead of shoes? And we did that and she approved it. We have a very big wardrobe and prop department here on the show. <laughs> and so when Raquel was singing, she was singing live on the show, but it was actually my wife, Leah, who was playing her on-screen character and it was funny after we had her on the couch um for the interview segment after wait, her performance how? wait 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 so how so so someone else is puppeteering but they know what she's gonna they know the lyrics so like how do they even puppeteer there's, two, that? So there's, 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 there's two separate elements and they are completely separate because they're happening over different pieces of software in the game Leah is controlling Raquel's on-screen avatar. She's also listening live to everything Raquel says over Discord, which is the voice component. And if Raquel tells a joke, Leah will make her character laugh. That's sort of crazy though to like live improvise that. Yeah, and it's and it's 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 a new skill, a, a new a new kind of job that didn't exist 2 months ago, but which we've created <laughs> yeah. for the show, and Leah does it very very well. Um, and again, when, when we bring characters onto the show that have their own, uh, avatars, we encourage them to do that. And we actually teach them a little, a few little tricks to kind of make it look like they're doing things that are interesting. And we actually had a stand up comedian, uh, called Samantha Ruddy on the show. And she brought pre-recorded audio of a stand up bit that she did. And we played the audio complete with a laugh track and God bless her. She rehearsed all weekend. She actually timed all of her little character emotes to the routine. So that if she, you know, if she needed to laugh or look thoughtful or look sad or whatever, um, she she kind of matched up the the avatar performance with the voice performance. And yeah, we have a stage manager, a good friend of mine by the name of Kate Stark, who started out kind of as like our wardrobe prop manager. She plays Animal Crossing a lot, and she would help us source um, items. Like you know, oh, you know, somebody wants to wear a tuxedo on the show. We don't have one. Like Kate would go find one for us in the game and send it to us and things like that. But now she kind of has two main jobs on the show. One is she does the avatar puppeteering uh, as necessary. Sometimes we need more than one avatar puppeteer. We've had, we actually had three going all at once where I think we had one show where like none of the guests played Animal Crossing. But Kate's main job now, what we call stage manager, is she essentially hangs out in the Discord. We have two channels in Discord, the green room and the live show. When I'm doing the show, I'm in the live show channel. The guests are hanging out backstage in the green room so they can talk freely amongst themselves, but that doesn't go out on air because that's not the channel that's streaming to the Discord, only the live show is. And so while they're backstage, they're able to watch the stream, talk to one another. And Kate's job is basically to make sure that the guests are happy and that they have everything that they need and we're not losing their connection and troubleshooting any technical problems. And then she's monitoring the stream. And when uh, I, I'll send Kate a message and say, okay, like the next guest is going to be up in the, in the next couple of minutes. She will inform the guest, okay, you're about ready to, to, you're about to go on stage. And then when it's their turn to come on stage and they walk down the stairs onto the set, Kate will move their, their discord avatar from the green room 
onto the live stage. And at that point, they're on a hot mic and the audience can hear them. But that prevents anyone, you know, we, we don't want to hear people talking backstage. So we have different channels. And again, when I'm doing the show, my hand, my hands are full just dealing with whatever's happening live. And so Kate and other and other helpers, but mainly Kate are kind of backstage making sure that the guests are, you know, happy and, you know, make them make sure they don't miss, they know when they're coming on stage, they don't miss their mark. Uh, and you know, there's, there's a lot of like just making sure that the trains are running on time happening mm -hmm. behind the scenes while I'm doing mm -hmm. the show. Oh yeah. Wow. It sounds fucking crazy. It does. <laughs> yeah. It's really, it's really stressful. I'm on the live show and I can see the discord, uh, app and I can see who's in the green room and I can see who's on the live show. And then some, someone in the green room who like the next guest who's like five minutes away will just disappear. Like their connection will just <laughs> drop. And Kate will send me a message like we lost them, but we're trying to get them back. And I'm on the I'm on a live mic going, hey, everything's great over here. Like I have to look like, completely <laughs> Why are you even maybe you shouldn't know those things. Just let I mean, other I, people bring them back. No, I, I I I'm very OCD and I get very anxious and like I, I when I when I when I bring All a guest the more onto the stage, to not know. <laughs> but he's got a I mean, vamp. He's got to kill time then. This I mean mm -hmm. here's, we've had like more than 50 guests on the show at this point. We've gotten very good at anticipating almost everything that can go wrong. When a guest comes on the show, we send them a very long email and I go over <laughs> it all again in the pre-interview saying your Nintendo Switch has to be set up this way. Like for example, <laughs> they have to go into their Nintendo Switch settings and turn off all the auto sleep functions because mm. so we encourage guests to emote while they're on the show but if they mm -hmm. forget to do that and they're just chatting with me and they don't interact with their switch for five to ten minutes if they haven't changed that setting this, their nintendo switch will automatically put itself into sleep mode and doing that ends the online session for everyone and kicks everyone off the set and we all have to run back to the set <laughs> and you know that's happened many times i've had i've had people's uh nintendo switch batteries run out in the middle of a show and kicked it and, and they, we can't get them back. And so I send this really long email and I was saying, I know this sounds like I'm treating you like an idiot, but like this has happened on the show. And like every single time, like no two people have the same setup, but I love, I love having streamers and video game people on the show because they generally have discord already. They know how to work it. They understand what a server or a voice channel is. But like when we had sting on the show, like you would think Sting would have great audio, right? Because he's Sting. He's got like a massive recording studio in his house. But it yeah. turns out this, this, the, the, the professional recording equipment that he had was so high end that like Discord didn't recognize it. Oh, so yeah. he couldn't <laughs> use any of it. Sting ended up doing his whole thing through the, through the built-in mic on his MacBook. And it sounded good. But like every, the reason why we do sound checks for everybody is I'm not comfortable having you on the show until we've checked your audio and made, made sure that yeah. everything is okay. Because literally everyone, when they first do the sound check and when they first do the interview, is not set up right. Right. And sometimes we don't get, due to the availability of guests, we don't get to do it until the very last minute. Mm -hmm. I didn't. I didn't physic. I didn't physically speak to Sting and hear his voice until ten minutes before he came on the show. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, Gary, on the performance side of hosting, are you drawing inspiration from any of your favorite talk show hosts of the past? Like, how are you gearing up to be a host of this talk show? You know, the the, the whole thing is really kind of an homage again to that kind of great American tradition. And if you look around the set, I've given people tours of the set before, and you know, the set, even the set itself, is kind of a tribute to those shows, you know, the desk and the couch are kind of classic elements, but you know, we have like a golf club, a, a set of golf clubs in the back of the set. That's kind of a tribute to Johnny Carson. Um, the greenery in the back is kind of a tribute to the Larry Sanders show because it had like a ridiculous amount of plants in the back uh, of the, of the set. 
uh, our, our desk and our couch are literally between two ferns. We have all of these different kind of Easter eggs and homages. But in terms of the show, you know, we're not really trying to reinvent the wheel. I mean, we, we've reinvented the wheel a little bit, I guess, by taking a traditional talk show uh, and putting it inside a video game. But in terms of the actual content, it is intended to be very much in the traditional vein of every late night, you know, cheesy talk show you've ever seen. Guests come on. We do a very kind of lightweight, fluffy, friendly. And I don't interrogate anyone. We don't want to do anything heavy or controversial. The show is meant to be kind of a, a lightweight distraction from the fact that the world sucks right now. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you've seen any, you know, American talk show, you know, network talk show made in the last 50 years, you've seen this show. You've just not seen it done this way inside a video game. But something that's really fun is they all look so cute and happy the whole time. They you know? do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, and, and again, and, that, and that's part of the fun of it is, you know, when Shaggy was on the show and we, we, we made, he, he again was a guy who didn't have Animal Crossing. We made his avatar for him and he likes it. Oh my God, he's, my, my wife likes this version of me better than the real thing. <laughs> <laughs> We wanted to talk a little bit about the audience interaction. That seems pretty singular with this. Um, it, it seems like you have a, like a really unique opportunity to connect everyday people with celebrities. Like we saw that Elijah Wood was introduced to his turnip dealer. Uh, oh, so yeah. How, yeah. So how, how are you getting viewers involved? Yeah, we're trying to lean into the interactivity as much as possible. That's actually some advice that my friends at Twitch have given us is like, you know, really make make use of the fact that. The, the, this is live and the audience can participate. That's that's the great beauty of you know this medium. I've had people say to me, "Oh, you should put the show on Netflix." It's like, but then you, but then it would, but then it would be just another talk show because yeah. it wouldn't be live and the audience wouldn't feel like they can participate. And Nintendo would sue you very hard. Yeah, pro- <laughs> I mean, who? I mean, I'm I'm amazed they haven't already, frankly. You know, but um, I think I think they're fa- I, I think they're fans of what we're doing. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna continue to do the show until you know we no longer can or I get bored of it or whatever. But in terms of the audience interaction, yeah, I mean it's really pretty basic, but it's it's still far more than uh, you can do on a you know. Don't forget all all those talk shows that you see are all pre-recorded. Like you know you watch you know uh, Conan or Jimmy Fallon or whatever at eleven o'clock at night. It's actually recorded about five o'clock in the afternoon that day. So by the time you're watching it, it's like hours old. Um, and there's not really any opportunity for you for it to feel kind of extemporaneous and, you know, and mm-hmm. it's all edited as well. So like when things go horribly wrong, as they often do on our show, people kind of like that. Like we make, we, we make fun out of the fact that things are going wrong and people like the fact that it's a high wire act and anything can go wrong at any time. But we do some basic stuff like, you know, you can, you can ask, you know, we take questions like, Hey, does anyone have a question for our celebrity guest? And people put them in the chat and we'll ask them. Um, we do at the end of every show, we ask our guests to step up to the microphone and tell a terrible joke. Do you want to hear the joke that I tell people for like our comedy baseline? Mm. Yes, please. (laughs) What's the best thing about living in Switzerland? What's that? I don't know, but the flag is a big plus. (laughs) (laughs) Matt, that was pretty similar to the joke Scarabian beat earlier in this episode. Way to to ruin the punchline. Uh, G- Gary, this is a, a joke that my daughter probably stole, but maybe figured out herself. What, what do you call it when you rent a house from a ghost? I mean, you've kind of blown it, but I don't know. I'll edit that part out. Uh, Scare B&B. What do you think? So, um, <laughs> yes, very good. You can yeah, use that, it. That, Just that, credit that, Amelia that. Silverman. <laughs> She's like seven. That joke yes. would be very welcome on our show. Good, and again, good. that's kind of the level that we're at, like kind of just harmless, you know, silly humor. My point being that when we have our guests tell those jokes, 
we can run a live poll in the chat where people get to vote for who they think has the funniest joke and we declare a winner at the end. <laughs> and, you know, one of the things that Twitch will tell you, the people who work at Twitch all day and study these things, you know, that's why Twitch is success. People love the fact that they feel like they can reach out and touch the people on the other side of the screen and be acknowledged and, and have a connection, have a relationship with the streamer or the content in a way that is just not possible through the one-way passive medium of Netflix, TV, whatever. Even from the celebrity side, it's great. Like when Jimmy Fallon says, oh, I understand you brought a, you know, you've got a book coming out. He can prop the book up on the desk and say, here it is. And you can make it, maybe you make a note to like, go get it the next day. But when we uh, promote something and someone has like a website, we, we drop the link, the live link. And I have mods who are doing like, all of the links are in a document that our mods can see ahead of time. So that when when they see that cue and I say, oh, I understand, Danny Trejo, you've got a cookbook. They're dropping that link. And I I can literally see people like buying the book live when they're on the show. Wow. The Elijah Wood thing was a was a very peculiar, specific thing that we did where, you know, Elijah Wood made headlines for randomly dropping into some person's uh, Animal Crossing Island to sell his (laughs) turnips. And we and we tracked that person down. Her name's Jessica. She's this lovely person who just plays Animal Crossing. She's like a totally normal person. We tracked her down, flew her to the island, sequestered her upstairs in my house so that when Elijah came to the set, he didn't know she was waiting there. Um, Even created a fake name for her in the Discord channel so he didn't recognize who it might be. And and we and we did like a whole like Ellen DeGeneres thing. It was like, hey, I understand that you guess. Well, guess what? She's right. We brought her here. We found her. And she's here on the show. And it was just this kind of delightful surprise. And they ended up getting on really well together because when they when Elijah did the um, turnip visit, they didn't really get to interact because you know Nintendo doesn't really have voice chat in any meaningful way. So they sent a couple of messages back and forth, but they didn't really connect. Uh, and so I thought, wouldn't it be nice if they could actually like talk to one another? And, and and it was like this whole Mission Impossible thing, like again, where we had fake Discord names, and we had to make sure she flew in before Elijah did, so that he wouldn't see her fly in. She went, she went. It was really sweet. She she showed, she sent me a screenshot. She went and hid upstairs in my room, and like stood in the corner, like something out of the Blair Witch Project, so that even if Elijah came upstairs, he wouldn't see her face. <laughs> she just waited waited there until it was time to bring her on. But it was all worth it because Elijah was like genuinely surprised and delighted to meet her, and it was this sweet moment that the audience really reacted to and again the audience interaction is valuable for me as well like i get so much out of uh when something cool i'm watching the live chat uh you know as it's scrolling by as the show is going out live and when that happened everyone's going oh my god this is so great this is so wholesome i love this and like that is you know it's it's wonderful to see that feedback from the audience in real time as well so Gary, how do you connect with guests in the first place, especially the celebrity ones? <laughs> it's been, you know, it's been a combination of me reaching out to people and and people reaching out to me. Twitter, Twitter has become a whole thing now, where basically any time a celebrity puts their head above the parapet and says, "Oh, I'm playing Animal Crossing," which has happened a lot recently, <laughs> boom, you hunt them I, down. <laughs> well, no, I I don't have to do anything. I I, I instantly get tagged into like a hundred tweets with people going, "Oh, you should go on Gary Witter's talk show." Or, that's "Hey, awesome. Gary Witter, here's someone." You, that's how we got AOC. AOC is going to come on the show oh. in September. She posted about playing Animal Crossing. I instantly got, I, I I was at Walgreens. I remember specifically, I was looking at my phone. And I had like four hundred mentions. What were you shopping like, for? Was, oh, what did you um, uh, ca- cashews, I think. I like cashews. Okay. That's cool. That's and cool. I, 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 really, yeah. I really like these Walgreens own brand cashews that they Interesting. have. Interesting. All right. I'll check it you out. Are, I'll check it out. Look, you asked. You asked. Yeah, no, I did. 
And for anybody who does not know this, AOC is the Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who represents parts of the Bronx and the Queens in New York. Yeah. So I had like 400 mentions and I'm like, oh, what have I done this time? But it was all these people tagging me going, oh my God, AOC plays Animal Crossing. You've got to have her on the show. Yeah. And I and I tagged back, oh my God, she of course would be welcome anytime. And then she tweeted out, oh, that sounds like a fun thing to do. And the next thing you know, like it was a big thing. And now I've been, I've been talking to her, the people in her office for the last couple of months and we're going to try to get her on. We ke- it keeps getting pushed back because she's obviously super busy. Because the like world is burning? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's cool, got cool, better cool. things to do. Um, she was originally going to come on in July. Now we're looking at September. But for the most part, what happens is, and, and this just happened with Brie Larson recently. Like Brie just launched a YouTube channel. She's playing Animal Crossing. And now I've got everyone like t- tagging her and me into tweets saying like, oh, like everyone's like constantly trying to fix me up with celebrities, basically. Like, oh, you should get this person <laughs> on the show. Sounds tough. But, but i I try i try not to chase people around too much like t-pain danny treo and elijah were all people that i reached out to and said would you like to come on the show Mm -hmm. and they said yes but honestly at this point it's more incoming than it is outgoing i get emails every day from like record labels and publicists from people saying why we'd like to have this guest on the show and sometimes there are people that i would love to have on the show and we'll get them on other times it's like ah that's not really a good fit and then other times well, what makes someone not a good fit let's hear about it <laughs> well let me okay so here's the thing if you are a celebrity or if you're a publicist coming to me like if like, like this literally happened just the other day uh somebody uh and i'm, I'm not going to name any names but it was like a publicist for like a, a celebrity who who uh emailed me and said i would like to get my uh client on your show how big is your audience? What are your metrics? Yeah, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just, I just wrote back and I say this to people all the time. Look, if your celebrity is someone who is only wants to come on the show because we have a, an audience of a certain size, or if they need to be convinced why this show is something they should do, they're not right for the show. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> and then you said, Tom Hanks, go, go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I don't if, care. If they need convincing, let's just not even have the conversation. I don't, I don't want anyone coming onto the show who doesn't get it who doesn't yeah. instinctively understand why it's a fun and cool thing to do. Um, or if they, or just because they think it like, it's, it's like, Oh, like it's a, how do you do fellow kids kind of thing where like they, they, <laughs> oh, they, they, they this will get me access to like a certain demographic that's watching this show. Like I, I just, I'm not, I have no interest in, in doing that. I've, I've been sucked down into the world of like music clearances and major record labels. Like what's your budget? What, you know, how much do you want? Like what do you, and I'm like, hey, we have no budget. Like I'm literally doing this in my basement. Mm-hmm. Like this is a hard, I make no money doing this. I, I spent a little bit of money on a couple of pieces of hardware when we licensed our theme music to make sure we got good theme music. But like uh, beyond that, like there's no budget for this show and yeah. there's no, I don't pay anybody anything. And well, I there would be if you anything. accepted those sponsorships, Gary, what are you doing? Well, <laughs> the problem is as soon as it becomes, um, uh, Hey, welcome to animal crossing brought to you by, you know, Clorox wipes. It's over. <laughs> like, and, and, and I know, and I know that. Yeah. Uh, because yeah, again, it's the, it, it's the authenticity and the silliness of it. Plus I don't need the money. Like I have a job already. This is a mm-hmm. hobby and I'm yeah. not interested in, a hobby in that's trying taken to over make- your life. Uh, yeah, no, but it, I mean, it's a great position to be in where you can tell guests like, nah, but I, you know, I see your point. Like it, it is a really novel thing that's happening. We're in the midst of a historic shit show. 
yeah, it's it's one more reason I feel like I should finally fucking join Animal Crossing. So I mean, you should. <laughs> that game honestly should be covered by health insurance. Like it's that therapeutic. Oh. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, I, that I, was I, I would, honestly Nintendo should steal that tagline. That's great. Yeah. After a couple of months on lockdown, you know how it is. Like I love my my wife, my daughter, and me. We all love each other. But after being, That's good. it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who it is. If you if you're cooped up in a house for too long, you're going to start getting on each other's nerves. And it was like tempers right. were starting to fray. And it was like a little bit like, you know, constantly, you know, getting each other's way and starting to feel a bit cooped up together. Mm-hmm. When Animal Crossing came into the house and we all got our own copies, the mood in the house lifted instantly because uh-huh. we all had something that we could do together. And now we even got a switch from my mother-in-law and it was the sweetest thing. My wife, my daughter, and my mother-in-law, three generations of my wife's side of the family, all now hang out on the island together Oh. and play and have parties and uh, yeah. I go over to my daughter's island to have tea parties and <sighs> it's just the sweetest thing and it's a, it's a it's a hobby it's something you can build like you can just play the game and have fun and 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 forget your troubles so let's get into the gossip portion uh we <laughs> we would love to, let's hear about sting first of all i want to know about sting does he really play animal crossing and then i would love to know in your opinion who has been the best animal crossing player so far and who has been the worst uh because i think you you talk a lot about animal crossing within these interviews right so all of the above so um <laughs> sting sting as i mentioned earlier doesn't play animal crossing we built an avatar for him oh that's right you know he approved it <laughs> you know they asked for a couple of we wanted we want him to wear a leather jacket okay so we found a leather jacket and we sent that image and they were like no not that one do you have another one and, and eventually we, yeah but but again it's like again it's, it's exactly analogous to going on a regular talk show where you know they go into the wardrobe department and they get to pick what they want to wear on the show that he might fall into that category of well i'm just doing this because i'm told that it's a cool thing but i don't really get it because he doesn't play the game and he and he's not a gamer i was worried that he would be like a bit um uh, I know, not, just like not cool as a guest. Uh-huh. The, the whole point of the show is that I goof around with the guests, and our interviews go way longer than on a regular talk show. You know, you know, on a talk show segment on Jimmy Fallon or whatever, they may talk for like ten minutes. I'll, I'll talk to a guest for an hour. Mm-hmm. The, the more the interviews go off the rails, the more people tend to like that. That's why the T Pain episode was so popular because the entire thing was just like an epic train wreck, but like in the best <laughs> possible way. And then Sting's people said to me, like, you've only gone in for 10, 15 minutes. And so, you know, make sure you get all your questions in because he can't stick around. He ended up not only sticking around on the couch for the better part of an hour with Kevin Smith and the other guests that we had on the show, but he, he went and got his guitar and just and played guitar for us for like, he goes, you want me to do some Roxanne? And we're like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he did. And he, wow. and he ended up, he ended up doing Message in a Bottle, Roxanne, Every Breath That's You amazing. Take, and Fields of Gold. Oh my just God. Like, just basically literally sitting there on a couch with wow. us giving us a private concert. And Kevin Smith and I were both sitting there on the, on the, on the couch going like, I can't, I can't fucking believe this is happening right now. And that's kind of the magic of it. And that's also the magic of doing a show in a virtual space. And I've had a bunch of outlets and people have contacted because the metaverse is a big thing right now. And people are always talking about Fortnite as a place for people to becoming less of a game and more as just a, a space where people can commune. And what's magic about animal talking is, you know, if you look at like Jimmy Fallon and Conan and all these other guys, I'm the only guy right now that has an actual talk show that looks like one with a couch and a desk and a band. Everyone else is stuck in their broom closet because, yeah. you know, in, interviewing people over Zoom because that's all uh-huh. they can do. Yeah. I can actually bring you together in a virtual space. We, we had a show not long ago where um, I was behind the desk, Adam's behind the drums, and I've got two guests on the couch, and we're all in the same virtual space. 
But the two guests were in New York and Montpellier, France. I'm in San mm-hmm. Francisco. Adam's up in Vancouver. But we're all in the same place. When yeah. T-Pain was on the show, we had another guest, a Twitch musician by the name of Very Handsome Billy, who's calling in over Discord from Christchurch, New Zealand. And T-Pain was like, oh my God, this guy is so fire. I got to collaborate with him. He fired up his <laughs> studio in Atlanta. And by the end of the show, they were literally doing a live musical collaboration from, t- from like two completely different corners of the globe on uh-huh. the show. And that's kind of the magic the internet can, can bring us. It's one of the things that I think is such a silver lining of this time. I mean, maybe one of the only silver linings, but <laughs> just that we're discovering these totally, I mean, kind of, as you said, at the beginning, at the beginning that some artists are discovering totally new creative endeavors and like, what a world that this is possible. And I think quarantine is sort of forcing us to experiment. I'm in love with it for the reasons that everyone's loving it. It's this virtual space and, and, and you know, it's two people, people on the couch, as you said. But at the end of the day, this is really just a podcast. But then if you remove the Animal Crossing element from it, then it's not as special. And would you have access to Sting to say like, Sting, come on my podcast where we're just talking about your music? Like that probably wouldn't happen. No. And I, and I also think that had I done this inside Minecraft or The Sims or something that's like less in the zeitgeist right now, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have been able to do it. Like a lot a a lot of the success of the show has been off the back of the fact that Animal Crossing was already a cultural phenomenon before Animal Talking came along. There were already all these think pieces in the Washington Post and mainstream yeah. media about how Animal Crossing has like captured something and is offering people a unique escape, you know, in the age of coronavirus. And we just kind of piggybacked on the back of that. You know, the porridge is just right in terms of the mix of the familiar and the innovative and taking a very, very tried and true, like I said, it's been around for 70 something years now, the American late night talk show. And, and then, and then plugging that concept into something that is fresh and new and everyone's into right now, like animal crossing, it ended up just being, you know, the right recipe for the mainstream media and celebrities and people to like, want to be all over it. My last quick thought, which is not necessarily a question. Animal crossing does not have cloud saves, which means if you drop the switch that or the switch you currently use to stream uh, gets damaged or corrupted, this entire thing goes away. And you can, of course, rebuild it. But that was a, a fuck ton of work to build your set and, and set everything up. So, like, put that thing in plexiglass or something. I don't, are, are you, um, does yeah, that freak I'm, you out? Yeah, every, every, every time my daughter's walking around with it, I'm a little bit nervous because <laughs> I am very OCD. And you know, yeah. this is not anything new to me. I've, 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 I've had like nightmare scenarios about literally this. Two things I would, and Nintendo need to get better at this, but um, my understanding is if you do break or lose your Switch, uh, if you have a Nintendo account, which I do, there is they they there is a way to recover it. It's not necessarily mm-hmm. the easy, but they they I probably could get it back. Uh, but even even if that happened, like on the day of the show, I could I could scramble around like with my wife's Switch and and re- rebuild that set probably in an hour if I had to on another okay. Switch. Right, because you have access to all the stuff. Right, you know, the desk, the chair. We've got duplicates of everything. I could take Leah's character and modify it to look like me, put it in the suit. And you would never know the difference. There's no, there would be no way to know the difference. Uh, it's not happened yet. I'm sure now that you've brought it up, it will. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> All right, Gary. Well, while you're not dealing drugs in Animal Crossing, um, <laughs> what, so what, what, are, what are these day jobs that you've referenced? Let's hear a little bit about the man, the myth, the legend. 
the so, Animal Crossing talk show. You know, the, the, the whole reason why I got into this dumb talk show thing is I'm first and foremost uh, a gamer. I Ever since I was, like I said, I had Atari 2600 when I was a kid. I was kind of the first generation of, of video gamers. I was born the year Pong came out. So like I go all the way back to the beginning. And my very first job uh, when I was like 15 years old, right out of school, was writing video game uh, reviews for... Uh, a Commodore 64, like 8-bit game magazine. And I had a whole career doing that, became editor-in-chief of PC Gamer. That's what brought me out from the UK to the US. Uh, I've been here ever since. Um, and I always had this other dream because I grew up loving two things, games and movies. And I always imagined that if I could get to do just pursue one of those hobbies professionally, that would be wonderful. Uh, it never even occurred to me to, to try and do both. It does seem kind of like both unrealistic and, and greedy frankly. And I had this whole career as a video game journalist. I was like, man, I get, I get paid to play video games and be in the video game uh, world. And I get to hang out with people that make these games that I love. And this is the coolest job. And I kind of set the other thing aside. I never really thought about the Hollywood ambitions. Always kind of like vaguely at the back of my mind, but not really. Um, and I, I always like to say that had I... Um, had the courage. I, I, I would have had the courage to do this. Like people said to me, oh, like, how did you go from being a video game guy to a, to a Hollywood guy? And I would love to tell the story about how I like bravely, you know, uh, gambled this already wonderful, stable career that I had to like pursue some Hollywood dream and it all worked out. That's not what happened at all. I was perfectly happy where I was and I would have been terrified to make that gamble. Uh, but the company that employed me uh, and ran and owned the magazine that I worked for uh, in 2000, uh, shit the bed during the dot-com crash quite spectacularly <laughs> and had to lay off like almost everybody, myself included. And I was just kind of like, you know, stuck at home going, oh, well now what do I do? I've kind of been kicked off this very comfortable train that I was on. And I had a good enough resume in video games that I, I guess I could quite easily have gotten back on the same train again and gone to work for another magazine or a website or something and continued in that vein. Um, but I also saw it as an opportunity, you know, to kind of look around and take stock and like, well, what do you really want to be doing here? Like you would never, you never would have made the decision on your own, but it's been forced upon you now. Like, what do you want to do? And I thought maybe I'll, maybe I will give the screenwriting thing a try. And I had enough money saved up to live very frugally for about a year. And I spent that year writing screenplays and teaching myself to write, uh, in that form. And I wrote a bunch of them, each one slightly less terrible than the last until I had one that I wasn't, you know, ashamed of uh, to the extent that I wouldn't show anyone. And I sent it off to a few people and I found uh, a manager in Hollywood who's still my manager today, even after all these years. And I got an agent and I started to sell things. And that was the beginning of my career. Most people know me from uh, either the Book of Eli, which is the movie that I kind of broke in with. That was the first thing that I wrote that was probably like the 30th thing that I wrote, but the first thing of mine that actually got made and got made at a very high level with, you know, Oscar winning actors and, you know, very, you know, accomplished filmmakers. And that kind of put me on the map. And I've been working full time in the business since then. And then the, I guess at this point, the thing that I'm most well known for is being one of the writers for uh, Rogue One, a Star Wars story, which was for me uh, as a kid who credits as many filmmakers in my generation do credit star wars as like one of the main reasons why i do this at all you know because i watched those movies when i was a kid and i'm like oh my god like this is what i want to do with my life it's like whatever 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 magical spell it is that this movie is like casting upon me right now i want to do that like, i want to make that for other people i often mm -hmm. say that uh that movies and things like star wars and you know marvel and 
Lord of the Rings and all of these things that we see and you know sci-fi escapism um it's the closest thing in the world that we have to actual magic and mm -hmm. I love the fact that we get to do that for people I would when I worked at Lucasfilm um you know you you, you often think that working at places like that it's going to be like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory it's not <laughs> it's just another office mm -hmm. um and it's easy to remember it's easy to forget that when you're sitting in an office that frankly doesn't look totally unlike Dunder Mifflin, like day to day when you're just sitting in an <laughs> office, you're working on cool stuff, but it's, that's not always super evident to you, like at a really, um, you know, nascent level. Like when you're just writing the script, it's just words on a page and it doesn't feel like it's come alive yet. And I would sometimes walk across the hallway to like the ILM art department and they would have the scenes up on the wall that they had, like we would write scenes in the morning when they, they would have them up. You know, I would like, you know, like Darth Vader's castle. Like, let's do that. What would that look like? And then the next afternoon, they've got it up there. And it's, oh my God, it, it turns out it would look fucking amazing. Thanks, ILM. And that was really, really cool. <laughs> but like the real, the real magic for me was like, they have tour groups go through there all the time. And you would see these kids come to like, I'd be in my lunch hour and I'd be up in the cafeteria, the Lucasfilm cafeteria. And these tour groups would come through like schools and things like that. And and you would see, and they have all like the Darth Vader, like the full size, you know, characters, Boba Fett, R2-D2s there in the lobby. And you would see these kids come through and you would like, and they would just be blown away to be standing next to what they think is the real R2-D2. <laughs> and it makes you, and it, and it makes you think, oh, and you remember, oh shit, like what we do here is we make magic and that's yeah. the best fucking job in the world. Uh, and I'm so privileged that I got to do that and I get to continue to do it that's that's always kind of the brass ring is create things that will inspire the next generation of kilo that's something that i uh, help make will be playing in a, in a cinema and then there's the next generation of that kid like me going holy shit this is a, i want to do this like that to me is the is the big prize well gary it's been such a pleasure having you on the show thanks for taking time out of your day happy to do it thank you there are just so many things I love about animal talking for so many reasons. And it, it's so true, as, as Gary was saying, we said a couple times that this was the right medium, the right show at the right time. It just all sort of came together um, in a great stroke of luck. But, um, you know, I've I caught some clips of it. I went on the YouTube and I encourage all of you to go check it out there if you don't have, well, I guess you go on Twitch as well, but check it out because it is, it's entertaining. I mean, it's one thing to describe it, but it's another thing to like sit there and watch it and be like, oh, like I, I you know me, if you've listened to this podcast long enough, you know that I'm not super into video games, but I was watching this and I'm like, this is a good entry into this world for me <laughs> like it's good crossover yeah. content <laughs> god yeah it's uh it's fascinating it's a really horrible and fascinating time we're living in and i just love seeing how people are making things out of that well, i was thinking a lot about you because i know you ali have a ton of projects creative projects that have been cooking in the background and i think you have made the most of this time creatively mm -hmm. i'm mm -hmm. not blowing or anything but i'm having a good time trying new things um yeah. uh, and on that note if i can plug a different podcast check out not boring workouts where we tell you workout moves to do and then try to entertain you while you do them mm -hmm. <laughs> that's yeah. it mm -hmm. all right you guys have been publishing publishing regularly I, I didn't know if you were like hopping on the tread 
the figurative treadmill of like, okay, we're going going out once a week, but every week I see a new episode and uh, it looks like you're doing well. Yeah, well, I hope that Jen and Matt will do an episode, but basically you just can uh, talk about anything you want while telling people to work out. So it's the the it's sort of <laughs> yeah, so it's short sort of short and easy. Like uh, so, uh, last week I wrote how not to be a Karen while getting Michelle Obama's arms, and it's an arm mm-hmm. workout. And then uh, I also wrote UFOs are real and so is cellulite. Welcome to leg day. Uh, and because I'm fascinated by UFOs. So it's, it can really be anything. So it's, it's actually not that hard to turn out the scripts. And um, I'm respecting Matt's audio editing now that I'm editing my own. <laughs> <laughs> so but anyway, yeah, I'm excited to watch uh, more animal talking for sure. Well, everyone out there, how has your creativity flourished or been squelched by quarantine? (laughs) (laughs) It would be cool to hear if you've taken up any of you listeners, um, anything you did not expect, uh, especially creatively. So as always, you can tweet at us. I'm at Junebugger, J-O-O-N-B-U-G-G-E-R. I'm at Ellie Gold, A-L-L-I-G-O-L-D. You can email us at 2G1podcast at gmail.com. You can also text us and or leave us a voicemail. The number is in the show notes, but also we love to tell it to you this way. That number is... 347-871-6548. That number again, 347-871-6LIT. Great. And last but not least, please join us in our Discord server, discord.gg slash 2G1P. Um, If you're new to Discord, it's free, it's easy to download. And once you're there, there will be listeners of the show, sometimes guests, and us talking about uh, show topics and other things, anything really. We love to just uh, shoot the breeze there as well. Ali, if they would like to contribute to Two Girls, One Podcast, how do they? Please, please do. You can go to patreon.com slash 2G1P. Everything is shitty right now, so if you could go make a contribution, that would make our days. (laughs) All right, a bunch of animals, get out of here. We'll see you next time. (laughs) See ya. Two Girls, One Podcast is hosted by Jennifer Camula and Allison Goldberg. Then, buried under a palm tree on a mysterious tropical island, I mean produced and edited by Matt Silverman in New York City. Production assistance is provided by the Podglomerate. This show is a production of The Daily Dot, the number one source for in-depth reporting about life on the internet. The Podglomerate. A sonic universe. Knock it off, skunk butt.